Welcome back to Many Windows, the podcast about education and topics related to education and being educated and being a student and being a faculty member and being a learner for all interested parties. My name is John Cassie, and I'm joined as always by my dear friend and co-host. Jana from McGlemory. And that little chime means that we are uh, doing this virtually because we are still social distancing at this point. So I yep. need to turn off my email, which I just did. Okay. Oh, good. Yes. Uh, we were just saying how this podcast tends to wander a little bit. Uh, <laughs> that is our example. But um, today we have two special guests. So this is um, the fifth episode in what's most likely going to be a five-part series on transgender youth. Yeah. It all started with a student that I had at my middle school last year who um, came to us as a uh, came to us as a transgender student at, and she was in stealth mode is what she told me uh, when uh, I interviewed her she let me know she was in stealth mode for her eighth grade year and then she graduated went to the high school and a couple of weeks into the school year her mom sent me this letter that she wrote to her eighth grade English teacher coming out. And just laying it all out there in such an amazing way. I was reading this um, letter and practically crying. And then instantly I thought, John and I need to interview her for yep. our podcast. Yep. And I've known her mom for probably 20 years. We've worked together. And so uh, I asked her mom if that would be okay. And she said yes. And then, of course, we also needed to hear from her mom because you, you want to see kind of both sides of that story the the youth and then the parent perspective and so we've just had two episodes with her mom who was amazing is mm -hmm. amazing and gave us such good information but to 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 finish up this uh, little series that we're doing we wanted to bring in some real experts in the area so uh, I'm gonna not give a long introduction about them because I want them to introduce themselves but I know Mike Freeman because he has been coming to my middle school I think this is the second or third third year mike maybe the second year yeah i think we're about two and a half years in yeah that nice. sounds about right he comes monthly to meet with our um our group that used to be called the gay straight alliance but they changed their name last year to the pride alliance and maybe we'll touch on that at some point how that happened but that's how i met mike and so i reached out to him and he has invited a colleague uh, at, to join our conversation here today. So I'm going to throw it to you guys, Mike and Gina. Mike, would you start and just introduce yourself, what you do, and why you do it? Sure. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, so my name is Mike Freeman. My pronouns are he, him, his. I supervise school-based programming at the Los Angeles LGBT Center. Um, one of the programs is our Community Action Network, or CAN program, which works directly with students in schools, predominantly students who run gay straight alliances or LGBTQ clubs on campuses. Um, we, me and my team work to support the students with a variety of needs and resources so that they can take ownership and leadership in the club and then also learn what tools that they need for sustainability um, and anything else that they need to feel like a community in that hub that they're in. Um, so that they can continue to advocate to create a safe space for themselves on campuses. And Gina. Everyone, my name is Gina Bigham. I am the program manager of the Trans Lounge at the Los Angeles LGBT Center. Uh, pronouns she and her. Um, the Trans Lounge is an, it's an education and empowerment program. So we offer classes, workshops, social events, uh, anything that we can to uplift, empower, um, and bring our community, you know, not only just trans folks, but our non-binary community, gender non-conforming community, to bring them together under not just under the auspice of let's sit in a circle and talk about our problems, but the classes that we offer, you know, we have a stand-up comedy class, we have acting workshops, we have voice feminization, we have um, writing workshops, 
Um, we have lots of different groups. We have a group for trans folks that identify on the neurodiverse spectrum. We have a group for folks who are uh, going to be having surgeries uh, in the near future or have had surgeries in the past. So just a, a ways, different ways to bring folks together, again, under the umbrella of creativity, of empowerment, of enlightenment, and of education. You know, it uh, it got me thinking. In our first season, we did an episode on smartphones and when is the time that, you know, a parent should allow their child to have a smartphone. And we did some research about you know, the evils of smartphones, uh, but also balance that with some of the real positive, you know, and it, it really, it kind of, it was more than just smartphones, but really interfacing online. And one of the positive aspects, of course, for young people now with this technology that we're all getting so much better at using now, given these last few months of having to only exclusively use this, but it's a way to connect with people who don't necessarily live next door to you, mm -hmm. right? And it sounds, uh, as soon Absolutely. as you started talking about your lounge, Gina, I just immediately thought about that, how amazing it was. I think you told me before we started recording, how many people do you have in this network? We, uh, the program has a, over 2,200 as of, as of now. And, you know, you're right, you, Jennifer, you bring up a great point because one of the, you know, since we stopped doing um, in-person groups, I think our last one was on March uh, 12th. And March 17th, we, I started working from home and that's when we started developing uh, all of our online sort of, you know, moving everything into the online world platform, if you will. Um, and one thing that we've noticed throughout all of these groups is that there are so many folks that for, you know, it's our group, our groups usually meet like on evenings. Uh, so one of our big ones happens on eight o'clock on a Friday night. Not necessarily the best time to be trying to navigate the streets of Hollywood. You know, trying mm -hmm. to get into right. L.A. at that time can be really, really difficult. So we're finding, you know, we're reaching a, a, a lot of folks that, you know, live in outlying areas that just couldn't make it to us before because of traffic or, or other, you know, other issues. So in that in that regard, it's a positive. We're, we're finding some positivity where yeah. we can. Yeah. Nice. Exactly. Uh, Mike, would you tell us how did you come to the work that you're doing? Yeah, so, um, you know, growing up, growing up was challenging being a little gay kid and not be feeling accepted pretty much ever from first grade through high school. Um, and as I was going to school and graduated with my bachelor's and then kind of just not knowing what my calling was and just trying a few different things on, um, I started volunteering with LGBTQ youth. And I was like, huh, this is this is something special. Mm. I think that I need to try this out a little bit more. And as I got deeper in, into it, I realized like, okay, this is this is what I need to do. And so I went back to school and um, really learned more about the community in a way and how to support young people. Um, and then I had been volunteering with the LGBT Center for a while. And when this position came up, which was about schools and working with students, like I jumped on it immediately because working with young people in the school setting is so special. And I'm so humbled to be able to do it because you see a transformation among students, even if it's from one week to the next, or if it's a semester or the end of the school year, from when, when students start and they come at the beginning of the school year, and when you see them at the end, go through a GSA or LGBT club and gain support, it really reaffirms their identity and just like sense of self in a way. And so it's it's invigorating for me to be able to just help in any way to support their journey. Absolutely. Did you want to really quick just mention how great the kids are at my school? <laughs> um, yeah, Shameless. Actually, like, no, it's true. The kids at your school are super intelligent and very special, I will say. Um, my staff and I have, I've brought some of my staff every now and then to introduce different projects and stuff. And 
we always come back and we're like, you know, those kids at Jordan, they are special because a lot of them are very in, in tune with who they are already. And they just have that vocabulary of things. Mm. And you're like, wow, this sixth grader just said that about gender identity. Wow. Right. Like, yeah. And so, yes, Jennifer, your children at your school are just amazing and so cute and don't don't feed her head mike she's gina she's... what you have to understand is that i was a elementary school principal in burbank for seven years and then i moved up to the middle school and there are a handful of kids who move who you know went to my elementary school that now go to my middle school and some of them are in the the pride alliance and I've known them since they were in kindergarten. So, oh, you know, I yeah. really kind of feel very attached to them and very yeah, proud of, of them in a disproportionate way right. <laughs> <laughs> because I've known them so long. And they do, they just blow me away. Um, last last uh, year, maybe, maybe it's the beginning of this year. When I first started at the middle school last year, I was doing some focus groups with some of our um, first, our African American students, and then just a few different groups that felt a little disenfranchised and so the pride alliance was like we want to meet with you dr meg and i was like okay all right let's do this and so then i got to hear them uh and their voices and it was it, i had that experience where i felt so proud um and they they have this maturity and wisdom and that's what we found even with sam when we interviewed her right right you know just this wisdom um i was so ready for a lot of drama and angst and all of this and the interview with her was was like yeah i told my parents they were super accepting yeah when i told my friend she was super accepting and it was like you know not quite enough drama for me but we we managed <laughs> to <laughs> work that's when john and i are like yeah okay we're getting older um this this new generation do you find right. that gina you probably work with all different age groups I do. I work with, yeah, I work with a lot of, um, you know, I don't work with as many youth as Mike does. Mm. Uh, but, you know, the one thing that I do find is with the youth that I do work with is that, yeah, the knowledge and just the wisdom at such an early age. And, you know, unfortunately for some, some of the youth that I worked with, um, maybe don't have it so good or are experiencing mm. homelessness and they are a little more, um, I don't want to say they're, they're intelligent and brilliant people, but there's, there's a survival mm -hmm. aspect that kicks in that, you know, they have survival smarts, survival instincts, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, but yes, I mean, it's, it's very, it's, it's, it does my heart good to know that, you know, the future, the future is in the hands and the very capable hands, you know, future of our community of these, these young people who, who are accepted and who are ingratiated into this at, at such a young age where, you know, I didn't start, I, I knew what I was when I was seven, but you know, that was in 1970 something. So there's, <laughs> There was no internet. There was no, I went to a Catholic, mm -hmm. you know, Catholic school. So I'm not going to say I have question. I'm questioning my gender, you know, <laughs> 73, you know, so God knows what they would have, what would have happened then, you know, therapy and conversion therapy and all that. But no, it, it really is. It's so exciting to see how young people are just so intuitive and just, and, and, you know, it's always young folks are the ones that are so open mm -hmm. and just so welcoming of of differences and of, you know, of diversity. So it's a it's a great it's a great time. I mean, you know, a lot of times it's two step forward, one step back within sure. the, what's going on within the community. But, you know, it's um, it's an exciting time. And we're we're going to be led by some amazing young young leaders. Definitely. So, so Mike, you work at Jordan, okay, and you presumably work at other schools. Uh, you know, why why middle and high school students? What are the trends? What are the what are they talking about when they're talking to each other 
you know, as a as a and you know an old white gay guy, you know, and then you know Jennifer, you know, uh, you know we 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 have we have limited access to to some of those conversations. So you know, without spilling the beans, you know, share what uh, you know what 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 are the what what what's what's going on in their conversations with each other? Yeah. So um, yes. To answer, there was like a few questions. Yeah, so yeah. Let me try and remember. <laughs> I do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no worries. Yeah. So um, uh, I have a staff of there's three of them and one of me. So we have a team of four. Okay. So we work in several high school and middle schools throughout Los Angeles, uh, supporting students regularly, like we do in the um, school clubs, and then also in addition to that, we do trainings um, for students and staff. So to answer your other question. So middle and high school, there are a couple things. One, we notice that when you start working with students earlier, the more that they understand who they are, the more that others understand that there are different people that are not like them, the, the sooner that we do that, as people age, the more open they are, the more that there's less bias and they're able to just be like, this is my friend and this is how, you know, whoever they are. Yeah, right. Um, and I think it's very interesting to see the dynamics at different schools because no matter what the school or district, every single school culture is different. Um, and it's some students are just so open and able to be open and their faculty is very supportive. And some schools, the faculty may not be as supportive or they might be just less faculty that are supportive and it might not be as accepting for students um, so understanding that and then the conversations of the students themselves um, you have anyone you know we're all different right so we all bring something different into these clubs or these spaces that we're meeting and some students are a little more shy and timid and take time to develop and speak out and then there's others that those as Gina was saying that we're lucky to have a set of future leaders. There are these other ones that are born leaders. They walk in, they know exactly who they are, exactly what they want, and they are not afraid to talk about it or teach anyone. Right. And so I think the beauty of working with students and seeing that is that no matter who you are, you can be that person, whether you are that born leader who's there or whether you're still figuring out who you are, Mm Um, these clubs create a supportive environment for anyone who attends them. Which is uh, for a school with a with an affirming culture. Those are uh, those are clubs that can really. One of the points that that Jennifer and I made in past episodes in this particular series of season two is school cultures are by and large, established by the students in them, and that faculty have some leverage, administration has some leverage, but students, if they can get their their hands on the levers, can really move a school culture. So, you know, the, the, the school cultures that have the students that you're describing who are really planting a flag, and here's who we are, and here's who I am, and here's where I'm going, can sustain a dramatic change in a school culture over a short period of time that is... Uh, extraordinary for the students who are in that school and you know how do you how do you move it from school to school remains one of the great challenges but we're working on it right mm-hmm. well yeah. and i would even say you know uh, as proud as i am of the kids who show up every week to the lunch club and how eloquent they are for a school our size and you know, a community as accepting as Burbank is, I think it's a small number, honestly, that show up. Mm. Um, And I think that they are frustrated. Mike, you probably know this better than I am, but I got the impression in talking to them, they are frustrated with even our larger school community and the, the things that they hear said in the hallways and, you know, the just the ignorant statements and just the name calling and they're really frustrated by that. There's a lot of kids that are frustrated by that and we don't quite have that critical mass at the school to turn that ship. Mm, I saw mm. it as well just working with some of the African-American kids too, you know, their frustration with racial slurs and it's so here we are, you know, at this school where I feel like all this groundwork 
has been laid or the pieces are all in place, but it's still just, um, I don't know what that, what that hump is, Mike, uh, to get over to, um, to get more kids involved and just, just more educated. Right. So I think two things. One, I love all of you at your school because you're like, there's not enough kids in here. And you have more than double sometimes of the high schools that we visit of students participating in the club. So that's pretty unique, actually. So from my standpoint, it's a pretty large club. But I understand the students angst about, you know, going out of the club and having the acceptance drop, you know, in the hallways and at lunch and stuff like that. And unfortunately, what I'm the first thing that jumped into my mind was like, this is a systemic issue. That's not just school related. Right. Right, right. So then it comes back to like families and society at large and what's really happening to make that change so that young people, whatever they're learning, that bias that they're learning, that they're able to like, you know, not learn that, right? And learn acceptance and tolerance up front. Can we um can we shift to some some terms, language, uh, uh, to give us our listeners some some definitions? Sure. This segment is called Mike and Gina Educate John and Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> I, All right. I I hope I'm actually pretty good all right but you know who knows okay i think it's just jennifer no i'm kidding (laughs) okay so help our audience understand uh one of the things that uh that can be confusing is uh what is the difference between sexual or f you know uh, affectional orientation and gender identity so help up a person who's the, the the heart's there but the knowledge isn't there to to understand the difference well i think it's it's um it was said i wish i could remember who said this and was so perfect but um it's like a matter of who you want to go to bed with and who do you go to bed as oh are sort of the differences between sexual orientation and gender identity nice. i know that's something that has been a kind of a bone of contention, at least it's been my experience over the years of, I've had conversations with folks within the community who would say, well, you know, you really don't belong. The T doesn't really belong. And it, you know, it's like, well, obviously there is a huge difference between sexual orientation and gender identity. Right. But I say where, where we all are, are the same is that we want the same things. We want to be understood. We don't want to, you know, be in fear of, of, of violence for just being who we are or fear of losing our jobs because of who we are or fear of losing our homes, our families, all these different things just because of who we are. Um, so, yeah, I mean, cause gender identity, sometimes people will say, oh, well, that the sex of that person, and more so, and it was kind of an older term, but mm-hmm. the the sex of that person was is female, mm-hmm. right? So, but that doesn't, you know, sex and gender again are two different things. And when you think of it in those terms, it's the sexual orientation. Yeah, just think of who who you're attracted to, who you want to be with. Whereas your gender identity or your your identity, you know, is just who you are, who you see in the mirror, who you who you authentically want to be. Right. Yeah, I've heard it sometimes described as one is a is a way of looking out, and another is a way of looking that sexual orientation you're looking out, but gender identity you're looking in. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. You know, you know something something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, what about, so, yeah, go, Mike, I go. can just add to that, too. You know, so when we think about these constructs of what makes us up is like we want to be mindful that think of sexual orientation and gender identity as a spectrum, not as you have to pick a box and be placed mm-hmm. into that box. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's very limiting. And if it's more fluid, which sexuality and identity there, it's more way more fluid than the societal approach that has been placed down on people. It's. Right. more freeing for people to be like, you know, especially in 
identity, if someone's trying to figure out who they are as a young person, it may change from day to day. It may not stay the same from one, you know, onset to the next as well. Right. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, the notion that it's, uh, that it's on a continuum. Uh, right. Very helpful. Um, terms that, that another a couple of other uh, terms continuing the, the education for Jennifer segment. Um, <laughs> cisgender, transgender. What do, what do those terms mean? Well, cisgender is somebody who is um, their identity is congruent with and matches the or is aligned with their uh, their assigned gender at birth. So somebody who is uh, born female and has never had any experience to think I question my gender or I feel like I was born uh, I'm I'm more, a more masculine person. Uh, if those thoughts don't really you know if you don't have those thoughts that's Good chance you're cis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, and obviously on, on the flip side of that, someone that is trans is somebody who's, you know, kind of out of out of alignment with their birth gender. Um, so for an example, and it, and again, it's so unique and wonderful because just like the community itself, there are nobody's nobody's experience is the same. We all may pass a lot of the same landmarks on our journey, but it is all one million percent unique to right. the individual. You know, and so some for for me, my transition and how I experienced my transgenderness um, was very binary. Quite honestly, mm. I, I transitioned about 11 years ago and it was a little bit of a different time. I, you know, the term non-binary was not being mentioned as it is today. Mm -hmm. And so it was very, I went from one to the other. I was, there was never an androgynous sort of phase or portion of my transition. It was basically one to the other. But that's me. Not everyone goes through that. And nowadays, there's now, like Mike was saying, the younger folks that are learning their identities have so much more openness and there's so much more fluidity mm -hmm. to, you know, one thing. I felt I was female. I always felt that. I never felt a, there was never a shift or a flow of any of that, it was just, nope, this is how I am. Mm. And so for me, it was, like I said, quite binary, but it now uh, we're seeing it's much more fluid. Um, and what trans, you know, for many trans folks, they'll have, you know, gender affirming surgeries, they'll uh, use hormone replacement therapy. For others, that's not for them. And that does not diminish who they are or make them any less trans because they don't decide to have a medical procedure or to you know go down the road of, of hormone replacement therapy. It's all, again, this fluid, wonderfully flowing sort of river that, that we're, we're coming, we're floating down. And that, that, would, that would bring in terms, you've said uh, non-binary, uh, you know, uh, uh, I have in our question set gender queer, right? These other kinds of, of terms that that uh, folks who are coming new to the study of these ideas, maybe they've never even heard these terms. So what are the other terms that are, you know, that are that are uh, in the mix in your sort of daily life that maybe an educator ought to know or a parent ought to be be, be able to define? Michael, I'll let you jump on this first and then I'll join in. Yeah, so in what we talk about now as far as gender identity, it, it would seem that people are moving away from the gender queer term. Okay. Again, not everyone, it's individual and more into the non-binary, which is, you know, kind of one to the other. Would you agree with that, Gina? In I a would, sense? I, it, it's 
it's funny because the language, even though, you know, Mike and I are both pretty much immersed, at least before, you know, social right, uh, right. social distancing, we were immersed in, in, you know, this community. And I still couldn't keep up with like language right. and, and things. It, it changes and evolves all the time. That makes uh, me but, feel a lot better, I have to say. <laughs> So, so, I mean, if you just think, like, especially with non-binary, that's kind of the term that we're hearing a lot of younger people use these days. Okay. And if you just, you know, deconstruct what the binary is, right, there's two in binary, so it's, like, typically man, woman, or boy or girl. But then if we flip it, it's, like, someone who's non-binary is not necessarily one or the other. It could be someone who is in their brain that they're, like, I reject that completely, I see both of those components in me. Mm -hmm. I see more of one and a piece of the other mm -hmm. in me, right? Again, it's very individualized, so it's really hard to give just a blanket statement sure, for sure. each term as well. Yeah, yeah, because there right. is a fluidity, right, to 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 the to the terminology, right? Yeah. Uh, certainly, the 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 young people I know who uh, who claim a non-binary identity and that's the language they use yeah it's a little bit of well i'm expected to be this but i'm not that i'm a little bit of that and i'm a little bit of this and i'm a little you know so i guess i'm i guess i'm here and i'm good with that right but it does mean that you have to think about me the way i want to be thought about not the way that you are imposing your expectations on me so that's, uh, right. you know, a sense of where we are in 2020. Jeannie, you were going to say. Yeah. Well, I, I just, you know, one of the, uh, I've done some groups with uh, some young folks and a term that kept coming up is a term for non-binary. And it's, it's just, it's N-B, E-N-B-Y. Uh-huh. Which is just, if you spell it out, N-B. Yeah, non-binary. So, but I have seen it. It's again. It's just funny because I was, you know, this was a few months back. I think maybe a little bit longer. Um, but someone was saying NB, 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 NB. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then it's like, it's a cute way of. It was, and then the youth group, and they said it's a cute way of saying non-binary. Yeah. <laughs> and I was come like, on, Gina, okay, get with the program, right? <laughs> And I hear that all the, you know, now it's like once it was kind of, oh, now I've heard it. It's like, oh, now I hear it all the time. But right. yeah, that it's funny how the language, uh, it evolves so, so rapidly. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's amazing. I'm, I mentioned uh, in one of our earlier episodes about the book that I read that first kind of introduced me to all these different terms. It's called The 57 Bus. Are you guys familiar with that? Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, good. See, I have something to bring to our guests, actually, here. <laughs> so the 57 bus is a uh, nonfiction. It's a, the true account of, I think, 16-year-old uh, Sasha. I'm sure you know the story, actually, in Oakland, where Sasha, I, I think, identifies as um, non-binary or maybe agender. And Sasha was on a bus in Oakland, and another boy uh, lit Sasha's skirt yes. on fire. Yeah, right. And Sasha um, had terrible burns as a result. So the fifty-seven bus, the is that account, but it also goes back. It uses transcripts and um, text messages from all the people. Uh, the author is Dashka Slater and she, uh, talks to all of these people. And so she tells Sasha's story, but also the other boy's story, um, all the way through the trial. But one of the things she does in the book that I really like is, you know, about 30 pages in suddenly there's this chapter where it's just all the different terms for gender and sex. And, and it starts and it says, because language is evolving rapidly and because people have different preferences, always adopt the language individuals use about themselves, even if it differs from what is listed here. And so um, uh, terms for gender, it has agender, androgynous, bigender or gender fluid, uh -huh. cisgender, gender questioning, gender queer slash non-binary, 
intersex mm-hmm. and transgender. Do are all of those still applicable? I think this was written probably four years ago. They are, and in fact, there's actually and I'm blanking on it now. And if I don't want to mess around with my Skype thing, or I would go check because <laughs> I know on our Trans Lounge website we have about 15 different uh, uh, markers or identifiers, I guess, that you could use. There's, um, so I've heard some folks say, woman of trans experience. That's actually the mm. one I like to use. Mm. You know, a woman, I am a woman of trans experience. Mm. Um, there's, there's a lot, but those, yes, the ones that you mentioned, those are all on, on my list anyway of, of current sort of identifiers that we offer to people when they register for our program, you know, we give them that list plus an other box for them to tell. Cause at the end of the day, it's always better to have that person tell you. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gina, and if you'd like, be so kind, sorry. send me a link to those, to that trans lounge material that you were referencing. I'll drop it oh, in the show notes. Okay. Great. Brilliant. Mike. Um, I just wanted to be mindful of some of the terminology that was that popped out over there too. Is that um, like intersex actually refers to someone's assigned sex at birth, so it's not actually their gender identity or sexual orientation. Mm. Um, and then the term androgynous refers to someone's gender expression, so they, how they mm. act, dress, behave. Right, mm. and both of those things are are different maybe di- entirely different continuums right um right. you of, know uh, of what makes us uh, right mm-hmm. you know the uh, bi- biological uh, uh uh questions uh expression questions right are different from other forms of identity questioning right correct yeah yeah which is part of why it gets tricky for people who are not immersed in the in the language and the experience because they're uh the society has been so binaried right right yeah and i think there's one other thing that's really important is that the reason why there's so many terms is there's something empowering about identifying with a term that you you see and you're like oh my gosh that says who i am exactly right yeah, for sure. Um, so how's the work that you've been doing changed over the last sort of three to five years? What's what what's what's different and what do you see coming? Well, I know for me, um, you know, it's sort of it was once once uh, the gay marriage issue was sort of settled, I felt like the the community sort of looked at what was next mm-hmm. and i think first and first kind of next in line was trans rights and you know kind of the more of an understanding and a, and a visibility being shined on shown on on the trans community and so i think in the last three to five years we've I mean, even longer than that but we've seen uh such leaps and bounds and just the visibility of trans people the um you know a great example is to you know you look at folks in public office people like danica rome in virginia or Mm -hmm. andrea jenkins in uh andrea jenkins and felipe cunningham both on the minneapolis city council all trans folks all elected you know not just by trans people this is a constituency of you Mm -hmm. know many many people that have faith in their abilities as leaders and just as a human being and that that's really exciting because so we're seeing a lot more visibility um, a lot more sensitivity when it comes to media portrayals where you know years ago trans was that it was a joke it was always Mm -hmm. it was there was something wrong it was you know they were either portrayed as a sex worker or a criminal or a, a, uh, a crazy person or, you know, or, or a joke, someone with a sideways wig and a beard or, you know, it was 
mm-hmm. always something like that where now we're seeing thoughtful presentations shows like pose that are giving young people especially young trans women of color who are you know desperately seeking role models and and positive reinforcements uh, to give them that sort of that platform to be themselves and give them inspiration. Right. People like India Moore and Laverne Cox and Isis King. And uh, so in that sense, it's been really exciting to see the work sort of blossom and to see folks come to us or come to me with, with Translound saying, hey, I want to help. Mm. I want to be a part of this community. Because we have folks that come to us offering their services to teach classes, the volunteer. I have a volunteer, you know, a very strong roster of volunteer instructors that would not take a dime from us. Mm-hmm. They're they're just they want to be a part of this amazing community and they want to they want to help. They want to help out. So it's been it's been really it's been really wonderful to see the visibility rise i mean with that visibility rising you also there is some negatives that go along with that because now we're being seen by a group that you know of folks that maybe aren't as enlightened mm-hmm. let's just say and you know folks oftentimes hate what they don't understand and will lash out and yeah you know online or in in physical forms uh so there's there is that, but it's again, it's an exciting time, and I think the the work has changed because it's 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 accelerated. You know, right. things are moving at a at a much quicker pace than when I start. I've been at the center for almost in June. It'll be nine years, and at when I first started there, there was two programs for trans folks and maybe five five people on staff at that time and now there's trans and non-binary folks you know all over the center and in leadership positions and so it's uh it's it's really wonderful brilliant mike what are you seeing yeah and that was great gina hearing you say that that gave me a warm feeling inside so thank you <laughs> um, i can feel your passion so i think like what as far as like the younger side of folks what we've seen is a few years ago there was more need in the community to have support groups not necessarily at school but like at the lgbt center uh-huh. and the more that schools have affirmed the lgbtq student population the less that there's that necessary need, especially in like an urban city like Los Angeles, right? Um, To have those, like less and less students started to come because they had Mm. that at their school. So it wasn't wasn't something that was the same as a need. And where I'm seeing us go is what I hope is, is what really transcends across the country more because we're getting more students and teachers who reach out to us from other states who are looking to California and Los Angeles as the model to help them reshape their city and state to be yeah. more inclusive to their students. Amazing. So we're, we're getting towards the end here, okay? Couple of final questions. First, <clears throat> how do well-meaning, fully informed, thoughtful people get tripped up? What are the, what do we need to watch for in language, behavior, uh, uh, approach. I seem to think that this one pops its head up, at least in my experience. I, I hear about this in the groups I facilitate a lot, where uh, folks will get misgendered, and mm-hmm. it's misgendering is you know basically if someone said to me, which has happened to me, where they say, "Hello, sir, can I help you?" Um, you know, and it's that's something that is, you know, it can be very, very hurtful to somebody that is trans. But I think what happens is somebody tries to make an assumption mm-hmm. and they don't want to. They don't want to ask the question because they feel like in asking the question, they're going to somehow embarrass that person or they're going to come off as looking a little less enlightened. So they will not ask the question where it's. I find it's quite honestly the opposite. Always ask. Because like I said earlier, if you 
allow that person to express to you who they are. I am, you know, I go by she, her pronouns, but to say, yo, my pronouns are they, them, that's something personal and that is something to share. And then I think it also share, it also sort of gives a kind of a wink and a nod that it's like, if someone's asking you what your pronouns are, I feel like that is something that it's like, ah, this is somebody who, who understands, who knows, knows enough about our community to ask that question. And so if yeah. they're, if they have that knowledge, then I think that this might be somebody that I could be, I could show some trust in, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. a lot of, for a lot of trans folks, you know, it's, there's a, there's a lot of mistrust, mm-hmm. you know, especially when it comes to, like I said, our young folks that have had uh, struggles with, you know, housing and, or living on the streets, it's, uh, it's tough in that sense. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. but I think it's just asking, asking that question and not being afraid to ask that question because you're not going to offend somebody. I think in any, I think more so you're going to, you're going to lend itself more to a, a better conversation because it's, you're going to, it's more of a connection. Yeah. Mike? Yeah, I uh, completely agree with Gina. It's all about pronouns right now and affirming someone's pronoun. And just to add to what she said is, if you don't know someone's pronoun, a best practice is, hi, my name is Mike. My pronouns are he and him. What's your name and pronouns? Right, And that way you're putting yourself on the spot first. And it kind of helps that person know that, okay, this is a safe person. They're an ally. I can be comfortable to share my pronouns with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've uh, I've often spoken about, uh, and I, I I mentioned this in in uh, in one of the episodes, the first one I think with Sam, where whenever I find myself in a new in a new room, uh, I, I'm always I do this authentically, but I'm always looking for the first opportunity to mention uh, how long my husband and I have been together, <laughs> right? Lest I get the tell me about your lovely wife. <laughs> right which yes. drives me crazy right um and so uh and, and you know the mike to the point about you know i'm mike my pronouns are right that uh there's there's a lot to be said for getting getting ahead being mindful mm-hmm. that okay well in this new space i'm going to have to do this this quote work right and it just it's what we you know it's what i feel like i have to do Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I'm a big reader and uh, I still read a lot of young adult fiction because I was a middle school English teacher and I fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and it's just I find now, unlike when I was a kid, it's just plentiful and it's a huge j- genre. But what I love about young adult fiction is it's very progressive um, in accepting differences and like leading the way. So I mentioned that book that I mentioned, the 57 bus, it was, uh, I found it in the young adult, in the young adult section. It's nonfiction, but it was young adult because, you know, anything that's about young adults is now young adult. But what I've noticed in some of the books that are coming out now is there are non-binary characters in the book. Just, Mm -hmm. you know, here's a character, you know, they go by V, you know, and there's a, trilogy that just came out that was fantastic called Truly Devious, who had a a, a non-binary character. And then there's another trilogy that I just finished the last book. The the first book is called Scythe, and the last book is called The Toll. There's a character, oh, John's giving me the thumbs up. I love Scythe. Yeah, thumbs up. Thumbs up. It's the best radio. Yeah. <laughs> and I found because because we are at, at home, I grabbed the book really quick because there is a uh, there is a character called Jericho and Jericho is from Madagascar. And this is kind of in the future. And it says all children in Madagascar were raised genderless and forbidden to choose a gender until reaching adulthood. Even then, many didn't choose a single state of being. Some, like Jericho, found fluidity to be in their nature. So so Jericho says, I feel like a woman beneath the sun and the stars. I feel like a man under the clouds. 
So this character throughout the whole book, and it keeps coming up again and again, when the son is out, wants to be she, wants to be addressed with the pronoun she. And they all look up to the sky. Jericho is a ship captain. So her crew, who are completely dedicated to, you know, he, her, uh, depending on the what the weather is. And I just thought, you know, as we try to understand gender fluidity and, you know, I love books that give this kind of context. Again, this is, you know, I, I John and I both love sci-fi. I like it. Be, I like books that are set in the not too distant future because I think that the authors play with the things that we're grappling with technology or just themes in our own lives. And then just take a step further what might it be like in 10 years, in 20 years? And so I just thought it was so cool. You know, Eugenia, you're talking about politics and looking at politics for markers for where our culture is and acceptance. I always look at literature to see where we at, where we're at. And I think that for kids, I always am recommending books, thinking for some kids, this might be their first introduction to another way of thinking. Well, and it, you know, it's it's so it's getting it's getting into you know it's in literary circles. It's in you know cartoons even. Last right. year, I, I also one of the things I do with the censors, I I produce our trans pride event, and last year one of our panelists for our uh, kickoff event was this amazing uh, non-binary artist um, actor named uh, Jacob Tobia. And Jacob is also on now a voice character on uh, they play the character Double Trouble on a remake of huh. She-Ra and the Princesses of Power and Double Trouble. It is a very awesome. non-binary character. And it's just, you know, it's it's really wonderful. There's so many we're seeing a lot more representation in books mm -hmm. and in film on, you know, TV um, cartoons even so it's it's exciting nice any final thoughts um, I would say just you know the language is always changing continue to educate yourself um, and learn from those around you it's great advice I would I would echo that and I would say you know listen listen to the youth they know right. what they're talking about they yep. know well, they know what they're saying. They're they're brilliant, and they they uh, you know they know what they want, and they know where they're going. So brilliant. Uh, this has been extraordinary. I'm so grateful for you guys taking the time to share with us and our audience uh, your your experiences and your perspectives. It's going to be super helpful for our listeners. Yeah, so. it's exactly what we were hoping for uh -huh. to kind of cap off this. You know, not just, um, you know, us two yahoos giving our opinion as we interview people going through real things, but some real experts who could uh, teach us something. Yeah. So well, happy to do it. Always happy to enlighten and and share the love. Yep. We will. Uh, we will share out uh, links and, uh, you know, in the show notes and uh, how would uh uh, how would someone listening, uh, Mike and Gina, how would they get in touch with you? Um, on our, on my end, you can, uh, we have an Instagram can coalition LA, um, or you can email can coalition at LA LGBT center.org. Great. Gina. And for me, uh, you can reach us through the trans lounge website and that is translounge.org. Uh, or you could email us at translounge at lalgbtcenter.org. Brilliant. Jennifer, how would uh, a listener get in touch with you? Don't. No. Please don't. <laughs> They're going to write me at johncassie at gmail.com, and then I will send it to Jennifer. Okay. That sounds yeah. like a good idea. Okay. Uh, folks, thanks again for listening to Many Windows. Mike and Gina, a million thanks again, and I look forward to the next time that we'll have an opportunity to come together. It's great you meeting so you. Much. Okay, bye now. Bye.